Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... Come out to the coast, we'll get together, watch a few films. Alrighty. Uh, everyone good to go, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus, I just finished this movie and I'm like falling asleep. Uh, Alright, so week 14 of Working Title, of course, the podcast where we watch and review the top 250 English language movies on IMBD. Um... And what are we watching this week? None other than the 1971 classic Fiddler on the Roof, the movie of a Broadway musical of a book. Uh, Broadway Broadway musical of the same name, book of a different name. Uh, But nonetheless, kind of an old story. Um, Very famous um, cult classic, you could say. Uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Broadway cult classics. <laughs> yeah, that, that Tony Award winning cult classic. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah. Good movie. Good movie. That's why it's in the top 250 on IMBD. Um, Wait, this three hour movie was a musical? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew I should have watched it with sound instead of just subtitles. <laughs> I thought a lot of those lines rhymed. I thought people were just <laughs> mumbling the whole time. <laughs> All right. All right. So what is this movie? Uh, it's kind of a, well, Wikipedia calls it a musical comedy drama. Um, it is a comedy in some senses in a more Shakespearean sense. She get more of tragedy vibes, but it's about, uh, uh, a town in a Jewish community and a town in the Ukraine in, uh, you know, around 1900, turn of the 20th century. Yeah, it kind of follows this father of a family as he uh, kind of copes with uh, his daughters wanting to marry and kind of the changes of the world around him while he kind of tries to hold true to his tradition. I think that pretty much gets the gist of it. Um, we'll go, of course, as we always do into the the details of what happens in this movie. But before we do that, let's introduce the reviewers here in the studio with us. Hello. Hi. And that's me. (laughs) Did did we want to actually do something here? I don't know, man. We just watched a three hour fucking movie. Now they want us to tell our names and shit. So the thing, uh, the thing I, the thing I took away from this movie is I've seen it uh, so many fucking times throughout my life, and this is the first time that I've actually watched the entire thing in one sitting. I'm also curious to see, because Shane, Jack, and I are f- avid fans of musicals. I'm a moderate fan of musicals. Don't don't loop me into this. <laughs> I will maintain avid. I've got a. I go for a tasteful dip into musicals from time to time. Yeah, I don't think Mike. Mike, you're not really a fan of musicals, are you? No, I've, I've, I've always been into musicals. You guys just never invite me to go to your fucking <laughs> Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, this again. Mike, it's because you're too busy, all right? You need to clear your schedule. <laughs> I'm sorry that I just want to participate when I watch them, all right? When I starred in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in eighth grade, you weren't there. So why should I invite you to any of my other musicals? And you sing along to every song. <laughs> Participation is worth half the credit, Shane. <laughs> also, uh, my brother uh, was actually in the uh, the high school Fiddler on the Roof play uh, when I was in high school. So I know a lot about this. Who wow. did he play? He played the beggar. The one that doesn't talk. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like... <laughs> Just like how I was cast as tree. <laughs> he is he is mentioned by name at the beginning of the film, though. That's that's true. He's the comedic relief, I guess. Is he? I guess. <laughs> All right, Mike. Let's uh, let's go into the first part of this. Mike, what what happens in this movie? 
So, as you were talking about, this is about a small, poor town in the Ukraine, uh, based on tradition. They're a Jewish community, and the film starts out with a rundown of why they stick to tradition, which is they don't know, they just do it. So, in the beginning of the film, the matchmaker comes to uh, the main character's house, who is... Uh... So, I'm going to have a real problem with names, just so you... this is like a forewarning. The names in this film are fucking batshit crazy. They're nutty as fuck. They're all over the place. It's like they're not English. Tevia, right? Tevia, that's right. Yes. Right. So it's about the only one I can confidently answer. So yeah. so, so Tevia is the father of five daughters, um, and he is the milkman of the town. And the matchmaker comes to their house to tell Goldie, which is Tevia's wife, that she has come up with a match for their oldest daughter, uh, Zidal. And Zidal has been fancied by the town butcher, who's a rich man, whose name is the coolest name in the film, Laser Wolf. <laughs> Sounds like a bad Mortal Kombat character. I thought Laser Wolf was like a dubstep person for the longest time. <laughs> I was really well, disappointed it, it, by the way Laser Wolf looks. It It is actually a, a, a dubstep uh, artist, Shane, who uh, took his name from this musical. Fun fact. Of course he oh, did. there's a lot taken from this musical. If um, I would have looked, I would have been like, "Oh, it's Lazar Wolf." Okay, no, <laughs> no, it's Laser Wolf. <laughs> He's a straight up Laser Wolf. So Laser Wolf likes Zidal, and uh, the matchmaker tells that to Goldie. And Goldie and Tevya have a, a, a kind of a, a explosive relationship, so they have to trick each other all the time. So Goldie convinces um, Tevya to go and speak with Laser Wolf, knowing that Tevya doesn't really like Laser Wolf. Um, so <laughs> it's right when Sabbath is happening and they're getting ready for the Sabbath, but we find out that, uh, um, Zidal and the town, um, seamster, uh, whose name is Modal, are actually, have actually prom or actually are in love and they've been with each other for a long time since they were kids and, uh, Modal and, and Zidal want to get married and Zidal doesn't want to marry Laser Wolf. So after Sabbath, Tevya goes and meets with Laser Wolf and they, they have some drinks and uh, Zidal, or sorry, uh, Tevya thinks that he's going to discuss selling a cow to Laser Wolf, but it's actually discussing the daughter. So there's there's a scene where they're kind of going back and forth, talking about two different things. Um, but they end up agreeing that uh, it's a good match because he's a rich guy, and Tevya wants to be rich. And uh, they go and they they drink on it and have a big party where they end up dance battling some Koshaks in a bar. Koshaks? Am I pronouncing it wrong? I might be pronouncing it wrong. Cossacks? Cossacks. There it is. Koshaks. Koshaks. That sounds like a Tarantino movie. Koshaks are the uh, the people who uh, sub in for Shaq playing basketball. There's a couple other things I want to get through real quick because it's just it's the first hour of the film. Some other stuff that happens is they meet another guy in town whose name is uh, Perchik, and he's a a student from uh, Kiev who has come to this town. He's also a Jewish kid. Um, but he is he's kind of a free-thinking, modern-day... He says traditions are, are bad and he should get rid of them. Um, so he shows up, and and Tevya hires him to teach his daughter's um, studies because he, he was learning at, a, 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 I guess, a college or something in Kiev. So he's introduced in the, in the very beginning portion of the movie. Uh, but also there is mention of another town where the Jewish people have been um, kicked out of. They had to leave. And the guy, the only guy who can read, I think he's the only guy that can read because they always give him everything that's written and he has to read it to everybody. Yeah. Tells him about how, like, other towns, all the Jewish people are being um, kicked out of them. So that kind of is a little bit of, like, a forewarning. Uh, we also meet a cop in the town, and he's kind of a... He's, he's definitely anti-Semitic, um, but at the same time, though, he, like, likes Tiv- Tevya, so he, he kind of, like, gives him some advice uh, after his little engagement party with uh, Laser Wolf at the bar. And uh, tells him that there's there's going to be um, a demonstration, an unofficial demonstration coming up soon, and he should be ready for that. So that's the very beginning of the movie. It goes through the first daughter, uh, goes over you know the tradition of the town and the forewarning of some disastrous kind of events that are happening during the time period. Just to start this off, I'm going to point out that it is a solid ten minutes before they even roll the title card and the opening credits in this movie. <laughs> so if I can, I can assist you with that. I actually wrote down the exact time. It's 10 minutes and 27 seconds for the title screen to appear. <laughs> it's because it's we're watching the sunrise in real time. 
So, so the titles show up, and then we listen to the fiddler actually playing his fiddle on an actual roof for an additional two and a half minutes. So at 13 minutes, five seconds, the actual film begins. Which really sets the tone for the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's in real time. As we kind of step into this, um, A, Laser Wolf, awesome name. Uh, B, I think one of the things that was really one of the highlights of this section of the movie is that exchange between um, Tevia and Laser Wolf as Tevia thinks Laser Wolf is trying to buy his new milk cow and <laughs> Tevia is trying to get him to, you know, say, trying to say he wants to marry his daughter and they're both talking in circles. That was very funny in a very musical kind of way where the humor comes from kind of wordplay and cleverness rather than anything physical. I gotta say, Tevia, Tevia is the character, the guy who uh, acted for Tevia did a, a pretty good job. Like, oh, we was, can go on for days so about that actor. Yeah, He's so incredible. Uh, his name is uh, Chaim Topol, but he goes by just Topol, like Cher. <laughs> um, yeah, like that dude's voice is phenomenal, and I read. There's a reason he's played this role over 3,500 times. Oh, really? So is he an actual... Holy is shit. he the Broadway actor? He is, yeah. Oh, yeah, it makes awesome. sense. And uh, as a result, though, like, I don't know that I could ever watch this on stage because, like, someone else will be playing Tevya, and I don't know if I could handle that. Oh, so no. I watched a bunch of high schoolers play this, and it was not as good as the film. <laughs> <laughs> he I definitely ties why. the whole movie together. On, on a interesting note to that, June, his casting was actually pretty controversial because um, the Broadway play had been going on for like six or seven years at this point, and well established in the role of Tevya was none other than Zero Mostel, who is oh. yeah, he was the uh, authoritative Tevya when this movie was made. I think we can really? all say we know who Zero Pastel is, but for <laughs> people who don't know. Well, we're a bunch of well-qualified film critics here, but he was a, a pretty significant actor of the time. He's even been in Mel Brooks movies like The Producers. Oh. So so he was originally uh, Tevya, and then this movie came out, and then Topol took over as the future? Yeah, so I think the uh, everyone was expecting Zero Mostel to be... Uh, casted as Tevya in this movie and he was kind of the one that made the role famous so mm. it'd be like making a Hamilton wow. movie and not casting Lin-Manuel Miranda as Hamilton Dude, so he ousted him man he took his spot oh yeah that's crazy so the first the, this first part of the movie probably has the best music I think with like the most clever lyrics the lyrics are very good um, like <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I can just imagine the writer. If I were a rich man, it's probably my favorite song in this. Hands down. But yeah, I know mumble rappers um, love it. <laughs> but Matchmaker had some very clever lyrics. Um, it's this this sets the tone for the movie very wrong <laughs> yeah <though. laughs> like, i can't get miracle of miracles out of my head and if we're being candid i thought that was the stupidest thing oh. in the movie. so listen i have comments about that part but i don't know if we've got there yet so we've covered that we're, we're all the way up through uh we're all the way up through the uh first, uh, oh, no, we're not there yet that's not second quite, part not yeah, quite. yeah we're not there yet because i was gonna say for every good song in this movie there's three terrible ones you're like oh that was nice and the next two are shit you know, Man. I didn't find any of them like egregiously bad. Like, Miracle I didn't, I didn't think there was anything was bad. Awful, but like the rest. No, were no, no, no. Okay, it, so, it wasn't so, awful. It was incredibly catchy. Let's let's hold off on Miracle of Miracles. We're not there yet. I got stuff to say before. That. Also, though, on the point of the dancing, yeah. I think some of the dancing was better than the music. Like that was so entertaining. Like every time they would dance, you're enthralled. Yeah, th those are some great scenes. Whether it's, well, I mean, I guess we'll get into the. The later scenes as well but so i was watching with my fiance and she goes wait is that that gwen stefani song <laughs> and she's like she stole that <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have to go into that there's a gwen stefani song about fiddler on the roof you've never heard the if i was a rich girl na, 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 na. yeah gwen stefani stole that song <laughs> <laughs> you've never heard that no dude well after this go and you're gonna say son of a bitch i don't think i will 
I thought it was very clear that that was from this movie. But. <laughs> it's, it's not like it's a subtle. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't a revelation. Nope. Like, Gwen Stefani? The, the entire world knew. <laughs> oh, did they? Did they? So they, even with like, I, I think we can all agree that like the musical aspect of this film is, is awesome and on point. But there's a lot of little jokes that I, I really, I liked. I hadn't caught on the last 20 times I watched this film. Um <laughs> Like there's a part where, uh, when uh, what, what's his name, per- Perchik is uh, he first shows up, his first scene where he's talking to Tevya, and Tevya's divvying out milk. But by the way, side note, why is he pouring milk from a ladle into a bowl and then from the bowl into the people's bowls? Like he's doing a he's why is there there's a step in there he doesn't need to do? Well, I assume he's measuring it. Yeah, the small bowl uh, is a portion. But why is he spilling half that portion every single time he pours it in anybody's bowl? Cause fuck him, gotta s- literally skim a little off the top, you know. <laughs> so Perchek shows up, and uh, he says he says the line he's arguing about like rights and how tradition's stupid, and he says girls are people too, and some dude jumps in, he's like a radical. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, um, should also mention the the opening like song is traditions, talking about all the traditions in the village. Um, that becomes important later very important at least for my points yeah i think i think your point is going to be my point too all right time for you to fight so on the (laughs) on the little funny quips though the idea of the fiddler on the roof is manifested into a literal fiddler on the roof i don't think we ever find out if that fiddler is real or just a figment of tevia's imagination i think he's a figment but i would like to mention that he does at times leave the roof yeah. 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 So that's that's the scene I'm trying to mention here. Uh, after he's had his you know drunk party with Laser Wolf, he's walking home, <laughs> and this fiddler, you know, he jumps off the roof and starts like playing the violin in front of him. Let me tell you, like, if someone jumped off a roof in front of me playing a violin with a creepy ass smile in the middle of the night, like without hesitation, that dude's getting maced. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the idea that 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 the fiddler doesn't exist because of the amount of vodka that they were drinking at that party. So they yeah. they polished off an entire bottle, bottle at Laser Wolf's house, and then they went to the bar, and they each had a bottle in their hands throughout the entire dance battle. Dance battle. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Bring It On stole everything from fucking Fiddler on the Roof? <laughs> that's my next point. That's the next thing that stole from this movie. So I, I do want to just put a pin in that june because the fiddler does reappear at several points in the movie yes i too have a later point and on that as well like i think it's fairly clear that the fiddler is a you know symbolic because okay of course nothing in this movie is literally about a fiddler on the roof Um, it's the concept he says at the very beginning that their town is following these traditions and as a jewish community Every single thing they do is always on like a precarious kind of tilting point, uh, just as a fiddler would be on a roof. Yeah, and I think that the point he relates is that it's it's about balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I agree 100%. The guy that played the fiddle, though, holy cow. That was top-notch, too. I mean, obviously you'd expect a good violinist to play fiddler on the roof, but damn. But you don't expect your average roof worker to play the violin. <laughs> Sorry. This is one of those Armageddon situations. Is it harder to take a concert and teach him to roof? <laughs> oh my fucking god, we've ruined this movie. Is Armageddon on this list? It doesn't have to be. We already saw it, apparently. <laughs> oh, so I've heard. Alright, we've, we've run this third of the movie into the ground is there anything else we want to talk about before mike takes us forward um trying to think the matchmaker is kind of a funny character i guess (laughs) (laughs) i know exactly what just happened shane wrote a note that said matchmaker (laughs) equals funny (laughs) but she was this was one of my four notes her wig was fucked up the entire movie did any of you catch that her brown wig that she had on She'd have gray hairs come out from underneath it, and you could see where it was sitting. A lot of people had really bad wig work in this, but that's just a, a minor thing. Thanks for the uh, wig work analysis. 
Well, actually, that's something interesting. So I did notice there were a couple of shots where they were like up close on people's faces, and you can see their disgusting like spit lines between their lips. And I think that's because this was filmed in the 70s, and then they remade it with HD technology, and now we can see all the imperfections that were gone back <laughs> the then. The world wasn't ready for it. <laughs> yeah. I did not know John Williams did the musical adaptation, though. He did the score. Yeah, they... He didn't write the music. Well, no, well, I know he... he didn't write the music, but he did the, the music for this film, so the he... orchestral stuff and stuff. Yeah, I have to imagine he had some tweaks in adapting it. And there were, there were notes in the movie, like... Like you mentioned, June, the score, not the actual songs um, that were straight up had like Superman, Star Wars, Indiana Jones vibes. Like it was mm-hmm. it was pretty clear that it was well, the John Williams influences were pretty clear. Yeah. All right. On to act two. Yeah. Take us forward, Mike. It's actually just the second part of act one. Right. <laughs> we're not at the the entree act yet. So. Entree act. <laughs> Um, so in the, in the second part of the three hour movie, in the second part being hour <laughs> two per chick, um, is teaching the younger daughters on the side of a bank and Hoddle, the second oldest daughter is there washing some clothes. And that's where we start to see their love affairs start to show up where per chick is, um, modern day thinking and he's pushing the tradition away and Hoddle starts to fall in love with him. Um, so that's kind of the second portion of this is now the first daughter's gone and now we're going toward Hoddle. Did I skip a part? Yeah, the part where Model convinces Tevya to let him marry Seidel instead of Laser Wolf. No, oh. we, haven't, I know, but that's, no we haven't gotten there yet. That happens before. Well, it's still yet. not like going to throw everything off. <laughs> He's got pages. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. So. At the end of the first section, let's go back to that. So after uh, we have the engagement um, party, the next morning, hungover Tevya goes to tell uh, Zeidel that their engagement is on with Laser Wolf. And that's where we find out where Zeidel and uh, Modal start to uh, explain to Tevya that they, they, don't, they want to be engaged and they want to get married. And uh, Z- Tevya agrees to their engagement after having... Um, a kind of a back and forth with himself and God. And that's where the engagement's broken off, and we uh, we have this. I want to take this moment, too. Like That's like a really critical thing in the movie, the reoccurring him with his conversations with God. He, there's like two things. There's like him always looking to God like, the fuck, man? Really? And then there's the conversations with himself, on the other hand, conversations, which are always really clever and... Yeah, that was cleverly done because that's the to- that's the only time where he breaks the fourth wall. So he's like simultaneously talking to God slash the audience slash himself. That was really well done. He does do it again later, but we'll we'll get there. I should have trusted my notes. I was I was right. I had it broken up properly. The end of part one was the the, the engagement party. Part two begins where you show uh, Perchek and Hoddle uh, start to kind of go toward each other. Um, so just bear with me. So they, they kind of have a dance on the banks, which is against their traditions. Apparently men and women aren't supposed to dance with each other in this, uh, Jewish society. Um, the next morning, Tevya wakes up all hungover and goes and talks to Zeidel about the engagement. Um, this is where Modal shows up and they beg Tevya to pull off the engagement with Laser Wolf and instead, um, give them permission to get married. So Modal and Zeidel then, that's where we have the back and forth where he's talking to God. So this is where it kind of starts to show that times are changing and uh, these, you know, the traditions are starting to get broken apart in this in this town. But the problem now is that Tevya now has to explain to his wife Goldie why he's now calling the engagement off with Laser Wolf and, and Tevya. Or sorry. Title. Um, <laughs> Ty Zeidel. Uh, so the way he comes up to do this is he decides to tell her that he had a vision during a dream. We have this sh- this scene where Tevya meets Goldie's grandmother, and the grandmother says that it has to be Model who marries her. And Laser Wolf's ex, or sorry, dead wife comes out of the grave and says that she'll murder Zeidel if they get married. And so uh, Goldie, being a, a religious person, and she she calls off the wedding as well, and. We then go through to the actual ceremony where um, Modal and Zeidel get married. 
which you know is it's it's going really well it's really fun but at the end of it the non-jewish community shows up and attacks the wedding because the cop is now being influenced by the government to uh, get rid of the jews in their town which brings me to my favorite scene oh jesus christ which is oh jesus no (laughs) is at the wedding when laser wolf gives the chickens and he goes, there's no hard feelings. I'm like, well, thanks. He goes, you know what? There are hard feelings. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and they loop this rabbi in to, like, calm it down. He's like, I think everyone should sit down. They all sit down. Then Tevya stands up and starts it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> this movie should be retitled Everybody Hates Teviev because he tries so hard, and everyone fucks him every single turn. He's constantly I- just like, come on. I just need one win here. It's really funny, too, because the – the uh with the chickens laser wolf gifts the chickens and then all that ensues tevia's like you know what i don't we don't i don't want your chickens and the whole time like model is trying to stand up to say like fuck you those are my chickens <laughs> but he keeps getting pushed back down into his seat by tevia he's like hey man i want those chickens he's like we don't need his chickens <laughs> i just love the rabbi in this because he's just so like over it all the time about everything <laughs> They come up to him and like, well, what should we do about this confrontation? Well, I think everyone should sit down. And then later on, uh, Perchick gets all Riley. He straight up says that the the vision was a sham. Um, and then dances with Hoddle, which is, you know, verboten and everything. And they go to the rabbi and we're like, well, is it forbidden? And he's like, well, you know, not strictly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right, good enough for us let's all dance i think what we reveal is the rabbi's never actually read the torah or talmud he's just been acting like he has for the entire time because anytime anyone asks him anything he's like eh, sure <laughs> the best part about that is they're always asking him to like interpret things and there's a scene a little bit later in the movie where they're sitting around a table and he's like interpreting he's like so technically because she burnt the dinner he's entitled to divorce (laughs) he's like because she burnt the cooking (laughs) oh of course of course (laughs) so i want to back this up a little bit um at the beginning of this part when model finally confronts tevya uh to uh for permission to marry zaitel i was like Hell yeah, you know, like, he finally, like, became a man. Because prior to this, the conversation was there. Like, uh, Seidel's telling him, like, you need to, you need to, you know, talk to Tevya. Um, but he won't do it. He's really shy, what whatnot. So he finally, like, stands up for himself. And then he goes prancing through the woods, singing <laughs> Miracle of Miracles. The worst song in the fucking movie. Uh, it was hey, cringingly horrible. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, maybe Laser Wolf wasn't so bad. You know? <laughs> he turned out to be a great guy. So, so there's a there's a there's a little small section in this uh, this part as well where the the third eldest daughter, who I guess is just the middle daughter at this point, is um, confronted by a bunch of non-Jewish people on a road and uh, like in a very rapey kind of way, and uh, another guy shows up who is he's not jewish he's part of the i guess the just like a one of the catholic people of the town comrade fiedka fiedka and fiedka kind of saves her and they start um a relationship as well yeah because he he reads books with her right yeah he gives her a book and uh kind of warm up to each other dude's super creepy though i mean as were most czarist i mean the head of the russian empire hired a witch to cure her son so well, let's not get political about this. <laughs> I guess he'd be a wizard. Sorry. Ra, ra, Rasputin, love you. <laughs> All right, real quick. So there's, how about that scene during the wedding where they're doing the bottle dance? Like, those dudes were dressed um, like the Ministry of Magic, like costumes. <laughs> that, was, that was very skillfully uh, done. Yeah, I wonder like, if... Uh, ruined those hats. I wonder if they actually had the... Uh, the bottles on their head or if they were attached or anything i like to think they weren't attached just like they got some cossacks to show up and do that other dance <laughs> cossacks huh <laughs> oh speaking of your uh, comment earlier mike about like spit lines in in people's mouths and shit did you guys see like the clear wire on uh frumacera's 
like ghost. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, she's when she's like floating around, like haunting the uh, Tevia. Yeah. Like, there's clearly wires just. <laughs> I like how you refer to that character as the actress. How the fuck do you know who that person is? That's that was the character's name. It was mentioned God a lot it. in that scene. Well, delete that scene. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real ensemble film. Anyway, let's. Uh, <laughs> what happens in parts two point seven five through three? <laughs> we going for the end. Wherever you want to take his mic. Did you mention that? Uh, like they pretty much burned the village. No. So I said that they attacked. Yeah. So they have a a pogrom and. Uh, the constable who is kind of buddy buddy with Tevia uh, calls off the assault on the wedding and kind of gets them to leave the people alone. But they continue to ransack the the Jewish quarter of the town. So this is something I want to ask you guys. Um, obviously, this is taking place during a historical time where Jewish people are being ousted around Europe. What is specifically I don't understand about this film is why the Jewish people were being kicked out of their towns right now. Like, it doesn't really say why. I, I'm sure from a historical perspective, somebody should know, and I hope one of you know. I think yeah, I'm going to answer purely... this before Shane does. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> basically, uh, so, of course, anti-Semitism is, like, super, super old, right? Like, it didn't start in 1939. It's, I mean, goes back to... Even Moses and shit, right? So the Jewish diaspora had happened before this where like Jews got kind of scattered around the world because they kind of kept getting kicked out of places. Um, You know, even back during the Crusades, this was happening. And uh, Ukraine had been relatively recently acquired by the Russian Empire. Mm. And this section of Ukraine was the only place in which uh, Jews were allowed to live. Um, Okay. So this was like already sort of a, they were kind of isolated into this particular section of Russia and bit by bit, they were kind of getting kicked out until of course, you know, they so all So in the, in the film, there, there's a part where um, the, the constable or the cop is, is talking to Tevya right before at the end, we'll get to this real quick, but he says that there are troublemakers and, and that's, the, that's what I'm trying to focus on. Was the revolution that was happening in Kiev and Moscow led by the jewish people and is that why they were being kind of you know targeted or was that something separate so at the same time the russian revolution is starting to occur so this is as shane is probably uh, ready to mention uh kind of the the precursor to the the russian revolution that installed the soviet union rise of the commies but but was the soviet union led by jewish people No. no so it it I think the main uh, conflict is caused by, like, the Russian Orthodox Church and okay. conflicting beliefs between... So it's just racism. The t- yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty they're... sure the communists weren't exactly pleasant to... I think the communists were pretty people. anti-Semitic, too. Yeah, they, okay, they definitely were. I think it was more that... Um, think of it this way. The, the kind of communist sentiment in Kiev was kind of making the the Tsar a little uh, antsy. Yeah. And he was probably, you, you could say, taking it out on the Jewish population. Awesome. All right. That's all cleared up. Thank you. And that's Lessons by Jack. <laughs> the more you know. That's our new portion of the podcast. Historical <laughs> Lessons by Jack. He even said diaspora. <laughs> Took me a second to break that one down. It's diaspora, actually. Uh, see, I, I guess I'd interpret it wrong. Wrong Latin root. Shane, Shane is a product of Christian high school, therefore did, did not learn about the diaspora. <laughs> diaspora. I went to I went to a Catholic high school, and hey, we put Fiddler I on went the Roof as a Mormon play. High school. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all are here in Utah. The Mormon spora. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't say that, but I can't point to a good reason why. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's free game. Okay. All right, so are you ready for Entree Act? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is... All right, so this this movie is so long that there's an intermission. I actually enjoyed it. I think more movies need to incorporate. I'm in the Tarantino camp of just have it in there. It was nice. I got up, I refilled my drink, 
I need like this that. Was a two, forty-five two and a half minute intermission. Yeah, but I'll take it at a forty-five minute mark for an hour and a half movie. <laughs> Do you think it was intentional or just because that was the space in between the two set VHS that you had to get? <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. You might be onto something. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's pretty plausible. Well, there was enough intermission to play two songs. Yeah, yeah, it was a long intermission. So what, what, what do you all think the intermission symbolizes? Well, there's a fiddler on a roof. <laughs> I think it symbolizes uh, the average human's bladder capacity. <laughs> and attention span. All right, take, take us forward, Mike, before we dive this podcast into the ground. So just as the last part of this movie does, uh, we take a, a dive into a very serious last hour of the film. Um, we start out after this attack on Ondatevka and the, uh, the, the the wedding in the Jewish community. And uh, we start with a couple months later. It's during kind of the fall. It's during harvest season. And uh, Perchek is now telling um, Heidel that he is going to leave to go back to Kiev because some of his friends are uh, starting to uh, be, start a revolution. Uh, there's problems in the government. Uh, but before he leaves, he tells Heidel that he wants to marry her. Um, so then they go to Tevya, and he doesn't ask for permission. He just asks for their blessing. So this is the next kind of step for traditions being ended for Tevya, where the first one was, you know, the, the first daughter and uh, Modal, where it was, they want their permission, but it's just kind of like they're they're doing it out of love. Now it's, they don't want your permission, they just want your blessing. And Tevya has another moment with God where he then agrees because he sees that his daughter's in love and he agrees to this marriage. This leads to the next portion of the film, which which is the next daughter. Um, what's her name? Ch- Ch- Chava? Ch- Chava, something like that. It's, it's with the <laughs> it's Fiedka and, and Shara. And they are the next step as well in breaking tradition where he is not a jewish person and chara wants to be engaged to it's Fiedka. not chara it's spelled on my page c h a r a if you can tell me the pronunciation no I'll it's go with v-a that. it's c-h-a-v-a and it's chava, chava, chava. Yeah. thank you chava so chava chava and fietka um are in love and and this is where um, Tevya loses it. Like this is this is a completely against tradition. This is a non-Jewish person marrying a Jewish person, and he has nothing to do with it. And he actually disowns Chava. Uh, <laughs> but also, we find out that the government is now pushing the police of the town to oust the Jewish community, and uh, they have three days to pack up all their belongings, sell their home, and and leave. So Perchek. He goes to do this revolution, and Heidel, she stays behind in the town, but is going to go meet up with him. Fiedka and uh, Hava are now in love, so everything's kind of really falling apart. The government's coming through and, and ousting the Jewish community, and Perchek is leading a revolution with the, uh, the I guess, the worker, the working party in, uh, I think it was Kiev or Moscow, and he gets arrested and sent to Siberia at a work camp. So Heidel has to leave and go and meet with him. Uh, meantime, all of the families in this in this community have to leave and go their separate ways. And that's kind of the end of the movie is the Jewish people being oppressed and walking out of their, their home to go spread out across the world. Yeah, definitely a little uh, rougher in the back nine there. So I think overall the movie had a very good juxtaposition of like happy and delightful with very dark themes it was like just on the edge of being kind of bearable and like it was just enough of a roller coaster to be engaging but it's also super awkward right they're like you know how can we portray a microcosm of thousands of years of persecution but also throw in some jaunty tunes and lovable slapstick (laughs) characters like yeah they kind of had to front load the happiness just so yeah. you had that ear, that eerie feeling coming. So if I could, so I thought something that was pretty interesting was at the beginning of this film, uh, Tevya didn't really have a tremendous amount of problems. He was sure he was poor and struggling with like that, but by the end of it, 
he really had some real problems. But his conversations with God changed dramatically. At the beginning, he was blaming God for everything. By the end and the last part, he was kind of talking to God as if not to blame him, but to just actually communicate with him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's that was a good point. I also noticed how like it, how it ends too with the fiddler following him, and like that balance is going to continue on somewhere else. So there's like not even really a happy ending because even Hava and Fiedka, who you're like, oh, she married outside the face, she might be okay. Like we're moving to Krakow, and you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> you're like, oh, of all the places, please don't go there. Yeah, that's good. Like the overall theme of of traditions uh, in the movie, like the idea that you can't really grow if you always stick to your ways. Like, you know, you see that through like the interfaith marriage, and is the happiness of your of your daughter's worth breaking tradition? Um, yeah. I at the same time, though, like you see that the traditions, the, there are some that like keep the the town together you know yeah they're important there's a there's a there's a mixture that needs to be there's a balance right they were talking about the fiddler on the roof the balance just like uh, i think jack said earlier um having traditions to hold your group tight but at the same time though uh, and the point you were just barely making is that true hardship really shows you what's really important which is you know staying together as a family it's not just about following tradition blindly and that's what this entire film kind of put out there was there's there's true happiness that can be taken away from following yeah. traditions yeah there's a very smart scene at the end what, what shane was saying with where the fiddler shows up and like during literally the lowest point of his life tevia cracks a smile on the note of uh the traditions i thought it was interesting um this is my first time seeing this movie um or the the musical and i was a f- kind of concerned for a moment that uh tevia would just be okay with uh his third daughter marrying outside of the faith not that because i think you know he shouldn't have been okay with it i mean it's easy in 2020 to say like yeah who gives a shit but that it would have kind of cheapened the movie and that he just kind of bends to everything so i thought it was interesting that he drew a line in the sand there that was the straw that broke the camel's back on that one yeah. yeah, he broke up his on the other hands. He always did the on the other hands. Yeah, that that was good in the sense that he hasn't, you know, straight up just exiled that daughter, right? At the at, near the end, you kind of see him like there. There was kind of a hint of reconciliation. Yeah, he's like warming up to it, and it kind of gives you that feeling that like they will reconcile eventually. Tells yeah. tells this his eldest to say, "When God be with you," as she walks away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my I, I, my favorite song in this entire uh, musical was uh, little the little bird song where it's about that daughter where he 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 um, says that she's dead afterwards. But that song was was phenomenal. Like that showed how much it hurt him to to denounce his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you also notice though on on that point like with all the phenomenal songs that are in this movie? The other half of the songs were just like talking melodically. Yeah, <laughs> like they yeah, weren't actual. <laughs> no, it's just like a bit. It's like they're reading a, a script. <laughs> yeah, they're like reading a script just set to music. There's no like. Which the I... uh, the matchmaker's out of work in this town. <laughs> it's like before it kind of everything goes kind of. <laughs> well, Opening she's, people's she's mail. She's trying to like. She's trying to get the like the twelve year olds to get married off. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like, everybody else is just getting their own marriages going, so she's just doing her best to get anybody married. She's I, like, I I thought that was uh, Tevia and Goldie, who were like, "Oh, we fucked up the other two. We got to get these two locked in." <laughs> I'm not leaving this one up to fucking chance. How <laughs> about your twenty five year marriage where they just barely admit to each other that they love each other? Realize they love each other. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they were in arranged marriage too. That was a good song. I liked that. There, that little scene. Tevya and Golda's like interaction is hilarious, though. Her like go-to line of exasperation is like, "You could die of such a man." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or how about, "Don't tell me how to handle my wife." And he goes and he's like, "So they got married. Bye." <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he runs out. He runs out the door and then comes back in and slams it and takes his jacket off. 
Yeah, the guys, uh, this Perchek was telling uh, when Tevya agrees that they should get, that they're okay to get married. Perchek's like, well, what do I tell Goldie? Or Tevya's like, what do I tell Goldie? And Perchek's like, just tell her I have a rich uncle. He's like, I'll tell her whatever I want to tell her. I know how to deal with her. And then he goes and Mealy's like, he has a rich uncle. <laughs> this was just such a well-written, like, if I would have saw this on stage, like, you can just see the stage all over it. And they did yeah. such a yes. good job. Because normally that's a bad thing. When you watch it, you can just see the stage all over the screen, but it works really well in this. Yeah, they did it very cleverly, too. Um, when Tevya's having his soliloquies, you can almost picture, like, okay, the rest of the stage is dark, and there's a spotlight on him. Mm-hmm. And you can but, see the deliveries. Yeah, in the movie, it's represented as the other characters are frozen in time or yeah. super far away. Yeah, they translated it well. Like, you you got the same feeling, but it wasn't on the nose. Yeah, I haven't seen that in, like, a modern adaptation. You know what I mean? Like... It seems like older adaptations of stage plays do a lot better job of carrying that over, and the newer ones just kind of forego the stage as best they can. I guess Les Mis did a little bit, but I haven't seen it as well as like older stage adaptations like this movie. They did a really good job in this. They kept yeah. the charm of the stage, but the tightness, I guess, of a movie. That's a good way to put it. But Yeah, it was a good balance. Like a fiddler on a roof. <laughs> like a fiddler. Which brings me to another point. How do you come to that? Because I, I have never heard that term to refer to balance. Like, I could have been like like a pot on a stick. Like, I get that it's a little more musical, but is this like an old saying? Yeah, I don't know. Because that's a, that's a weird thing to just draw up. I guess any creative thing is a weird thing to draw up, but... That's... What, was, what, was the, what was the original name? Of the of the play of the or the or the, or the of book. the book so that it was a set of short stories, and they were called um, Tevia and his daughters or Tevia the milkman or Tevia. Oh yeah, the Fiddler on the Roof is much better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would have saw Tevia the milkman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where uh, where that name came from. Yeah, in in a few other cultures, it's been like called uh, Tevya and his seven daughters. Not like this musical, but various adaptations of the same source. Yeah, I I have no idea where that comes from, and I would Google it, but my keyboard would be way too loud, so we'll skip that for now. <laughs> People would know. People would know. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so n- now that we've kind of covered the whole movie. Uh, any any observations or thoughts on anything that happened anywhere in this film? I have an overall gripe. Only half the people had accents. Yeah. Mm. There were times where it was real blatant where uh mm. Topol would like talk to his wife and then she'd say something in a very American accent. Yeah. <laughs> or all the Jewish people had Jewish accents, but none of the Russians had Russian accents. <laughs> they should have cast Sean Connery, Russian submarine <laughs> commander. <laughs> I just want to talk about Laser Wolf. Can we go back to Laser I Wolf? I love him. He's so the awesome. The dude's name is Laser Wolf. <laughs> he seemed great. You started, I think, Shane, you started hitting a little bit on it at the wedding, but there's like, <laughs> I want to talk about that scene where Laser Wolf stands up and. The, the, the lead up to it is there's one of their friends is up on a chair. He's kind of like the, the MC of the wedding and he's announcing stuff and he's making little like, you know, jokes and, and gripes and stuff. But he specifically singles oh. out Laser Wolf and yeah. makes fun of the fact that his bride to be left him for another man. <laughs> I at love the it. Wedding. He just roasts the village. Yeah. He's like, look at this brideless fuck over here. He's like, Laser Laser Wolf is is rich. He has money. The only thing he doesn't have is a bride. Isn't that funny? <laughs> like, Jesus. No hard feelings, though. Right? <laughs> you know what was a very well-filmed scene is during the, the wedding, it's very reserved. Everyone's, you know, silent. Um, there's a like kind of a monologue going back and forth, um, but they're not actually like talking. But when they show Tevya as a close-up, you can see Laser Wolf in the background just glaring at him. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And it's like very subtle, but it was it was very. Well, good. and he had good eyes for it. Like the actor had like these really piercing blue eyes that just yeah. stood out, and you're like, oh, perfect cast. 
he also did that thing where um, he spoke it really well as he stood up and kind of announced his gift. And he said, but the past is in the past. And he did this like very violent thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ooh, is, is it? Is it in the past? <laughs> I don't think this is water under the bridge here. Oh, those slaps. He had a, he had a great slap. Like when he was, he's demanding to dance with Goldie. And like Goldie turns around and he like slaps his hand. He says, and like dance or something like that. And like just She's like, like, immediately oh. she turns around. And then Modal goes up and does the same thing to his new wife. It's like <laughs> super domestic violence. <laughs> I really like also the, uh, the bar dance. Like, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but, like, the whole choreography in it is so good. It, like, I hate interpretive dance, but through their dance, I could see, like, the divide as they're all, you know what I mean? Like, they did a really good mm-hmm. job. I never thought you could communicate like that really well through dancing. It was excellent. Well, it's interesting, because, like, culturally speaking, the fact that, like, they're not allowed to dance with women is very strange, like... They're, they dance with men all the time, and it's fine, and there's, like, an intimacy there, but it's, like, white, but they can't dance with women, though? Like, I felt that was a little weird during the wedding. I mean, I think that's still a tradition among, like, the more orthodox Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, even today. I think even in other religions. Well, the, the scarf, where the, the rabbi pulled the scarf that's out. That's right. Dance so with oh, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, did I... I'm wondering if I kind of missed something earlier, but during the uh, the bar dance, I was kind of confused as to like why the the skeptical looks on Tevya and Laserwolf. I didn't quite understand that those guys were supposed to be like czarist Russians or imperialist Russians. I think it's just like anyone that isn't Jewish in this town. It's like the Jewish community and the czarists. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's it's Russians. Russian Orthodox Christians in the town. And even we do focus on the Jewish community, but they are the minority in this village. Yeah. And then at the the very beginning of the film, when, when uh, they're going through the different sects of the village, they actually, Tevya narrates that there is a very large portion of the town, which is, he refers to them as the others. Oh, okay. Which was a good point in the film, too. They kind of point out how, like, it's awful that everyone's discriminating against them, but then they show the hypocrisy within the Jewish community of being totally unaccepting oh, or unwilling to allow anyone in. Fantastic point, yeah. And I was like, like, Tevia kind of spots that and, and points it all out. You're like, oh, wow. Damn, it's just, it's just really good. Really well written. Yeah. It was better as a play. <laughs> better performed by yeah. high schoolers. Did they have a fiddle? Did someone play the fiddle in the play? Somebody, pretend, what do we call it? Like voiceovered the fiddle? Like pretended to <laughs> play Beatbox the fiddle? <laughs> lip syncing with the fiddle? He lip synced the fiddle? There was no <laughs> strings on it. <laughs> the fiddle synced it. <laughs> so imagine a high school play. That was what I watched. Watch our next podcast <laughs> where we go and review local high school plays. <laughs> Oh jeez. That'd be a good podcast. That would be a good podcast. <laughs> Just ripping into fucking pimply teenagers trying to sing. They were flat the entire fucking time. Zach from Homeroom C was definitely not convincing. If his voice cracked one more goddamn time. <laughs> um so as far as how this movie did I mean, the reception of this movie is really, in a lot of ways, tied to the the musical, right? It would be like talking about a Hamilton movie without talking about the musical. Um, but the movie itself did really well. Uh, it brought in something like $83 million on a budget of $9 million, So, of course, financially successful. Wow. Um, critically acclaimed, not perfect, but very well regarded. Um, I think, interestingly, a criticism, criticism of this and of the musical is that it almost kind of whitewashed a lot of things. It definitely, you might say it disnified it. Uh, the source material is ends even bleaker than this does. Can can we argue with that? Because that I disagree. Like this was this was a, a musical. It was supposed to be whimsical and fun, but it was the most depressing musical I've ever seen. I mean, like, that's not whitewashed. Uh, compared to the source material it is like his wife dies his two of his daughters die oh jesus i see, I see what you I'm, mean. Yeah. I'm happy with the 
the way they did it. It was just yeah, enough. Yeah, like this one. Yeah, I, I think it came together as a good movie, but it it was definitely um, kind of painted a, a brighter picture of this uh, exile than the the source material or the reality did. And it, it, it also, I think, in a sense, did kind of... Uh, it, it did kind of disney the real-life situation, which is not, like, a bad thing for a movie, but is like a you know it's it's a it's a valid criticism even if that decision made a better musical out of it yeah and i think the real moment of truth is where we as of course excellent film critics rank this movie among those we've seen so far uh we'll start with mike where do you put this one this was really good as far as like a film and and a musical goes but i just got it it was rarely long and i felt that I was I was bored a lot of it, so for a movie and not a, just a narrative, I'm gonna put this between Sleuth 2007 and The Straight Story. So that's number five for me now. Oh, interesting. Okay, I still enjoyed it, but it's fucking long. It's really long. <laughs> Shane, where do you put it? I really enjoyed it, but based on my like, would I watch it again? I'd watch the first act. A bunch of times really enjoyed it but it's quite a quite a journey to take all three acts so i'm gonna put it under sleuth between ratatouille so it'll sit at number four okay june what are your thoughts so if you were to ask me to like name the unequivocal top 250 movies of all time i think instantly all of us would be able to name a bunch of them off the top of our heads right like the Pulp Fictions, Shawshank Redemption, Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I've seen this movie before in middle school, but like never in a million years would I have said like Fiddler on the Roof for sure is going on this list, right? <laughs> but after, you know, watching it now, I like I think it does deserve to be on it. I'm glad it's on there and I'm going to throw it at number 3. Interesting. Yeah. Beating That's... out Ratatouille? Yeah. Um, I'm going to blend my answer with uh, the next discussion we'll have, which is, do you recommend watching it? And um, I will say I do like this movie, and I like it in the same way I like a... Well, it, it's great, but I think of it in the same way I think of like watching a Lord of the Rings marathon. It's great, but it's a lot. And you can check in and out pretty much any time with this movie, which is both a good and a bad thing. I would maybe, it's a it's a good. I think I would put it at number six for me after Ratatouille and before Short Term Twelve. And what I would say is this is a great movie to watch, but not always pay close attention to. Wait, if you put it in between Ratatouille and Short Term Twelve, that's number five. Yes, number five. At first, I thought you put it below a straight story, and I was about to throw a mug through the window. <laughs> So yeah, let's let's close the loop around on do we recommend watching it? Mike, what do you think? Do you recommend watching this movie? If you've never seen it, absolutely watch it. Um, however, do not watch it six or seven times or watch your siblings do a play of it. And it. <laughs> <laughs> now that, I think, is something we can all get behind. That's going to be a next segment. <laughs> Would you cast your sibling? <laughs> That's what we should have said for the intro. <laughs> Who would you cast your sibling as in this movie? <laughs> Shane, do you recommend watching this movie? Absolutely, but definitely watch it to the intermission. Step away, enjoy the rest of your day, and then watch the second half. You, you will enjoy it more. Yeah, take some. Breaks you just want to be one. depressed after the second half? You know, you got to take this thing in bites, man. You don't eat the whole cake at once. <laughs> June, what do you think? Um, I do recommend it. Um, even if you've seen the musical, uh, like on stage, I think the execution of how this movie adapts it is very good. Um, so yeah, I recommend it. Well, just purely to see the, the guy get ousted from his spot. What? Mr. Zero. Oh, Zero Mostel. Yeah. <laughs> the fall from grace. <laughs> I thought you were talking about a different scene where they all got ousted, and I was like, ooh, that's, that's Dark Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you put that evil on this me. This movie's about moving out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just like Toy Story. <laughs> oh, God damn it. 
cat. Okay. That was funny, but... <laughs> oh, Jesus. I can feel myself plummeting to hell. <laughs> oh, you you think you're plummeting? You weren't already there? <laughs> oh, fuck. So that takes us through Fiddler on the Roof and episode 14. What's up next for us, June? God damn it. I'm so bad at this. Uh, oh, this will be interesting. Next week's movie is Kill Bill Volume 2. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> For the record, I have seen neither Kill Bill Volume 1 or 2. So we get to start in interesting places here. We're going we're gonna to Tarantino our way through Kill Bill. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's going to be lots of film shots of feet. But with that said, that's uh, episode 14 in the books, or you might say in the movies. Right. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>